0: Okay, so you know that I am in the third trimester of my pregnancy, and all this talk about breastfeeding is making me think to myself, where's all my breastfeeding stuff? I need to find my uh, my gel pads for sore nipples, get my nipple creams together. I need to find my hot and cold packs. <laughs> it is Breastfeeding Awareness Month, and we're talking about breastfeeding. All right, stay tuned. Hello and welcome to the Lady Parts Doctor podcast. I'm Dr. Stephanie Hack, the Lady Parts Doctor, and I'm happy you're joining me today. You know I love it when we chat and we always, always have something to chat about, especially of late. So last week we talked about the documentary and film, Aftershock, that was released to Hulu and the Film or documentary if you haven't already seen it, but basically it kind of addresses the increased rates of maternal mortality during childbirth in the United States. And so we had a nice discussion about it. It was great to hear your opinions and hear your thoughts. Not everyone agrees. And that makes for a good discussion because we all have different viewpoints. So this week, we are welcoming a new month, and with a new month comes new health observances, new things just to remember, and August is National Breastfeeding Awareness Month, and this, this week right here, this is World Breastfeeding Week. So of course, we're gonna talk about breastfeeding I know you may have some memories that might be triggering for you. Um, I have some memories from breastfeeding, and it is near and dear to my heart. Everybody's experience with breastfeeding is unique, and if you ask, it will range from extremely positive to maybe not so positive, and probably both in the same person. So. I breastfed both of my sons as long as I could and I found it to be one of the most rewarding and also one of the most frustrating experiences of new motherhood. There is something so sweet and satisfying about your body growing, sustaining, and bringing new life into the world and then being able to comfort and sustain that life for a period of time thereafter. Like, that's really cool. And some of my fondest memories are of nursing my children as they fall uh, fell asleep in my arms. These memories are so fond, and in fact that they often block out the memories of painful nipples, extreme fatigue from nursing or pumping every couple of hours, um, and tears for spilled milk or soiled milk, milk I forgot to put in the refrigerator on time or I forgot to freeze on time and I had to throw away. And I will tell you, I mean, another memory that, well, I'll probably come back to that a little later in the the podcast, maybe, maybe not, but this year's theme for Breastfeeding Awareness Month and Awareness Week is Step Up for Breastfeeding, Educate and Support And support is so necessary, it's a big part of breastfeeding and chest feeding and nursing. So I'm gonna do my part in educating you and supporting you and your decision of however you decide to feed your baby. So you heard me just mention the term chest feeding. And I mentioned this in some of the social media posts promoting this podcast, and there were questions about it, which I fully expected. I'm very happy. I think if ever you don't understand a term, the worst thing is to just like keep hearing it and to have no idea what it is. But the best thing is to ask about it. And so that's what someone asked. And it is a term I probably learned about, let's see, maybe four years ago, three or four years ago, chest feeding. What is chest feeding? So it's, I guess, for some of us, newer te- terminology, and it is newer terminology for, I guess, all of us, but while most of us are familiar with the term breastfeeding, some of us may not know the term chestfeeding. Chestfeeding is most commonly used by transmasculine or non-binary people to describe the act of feeding their babies milk from their chests. The biological process is the same as breastfeeding. However, chest feeding is just a more inclusive term Not everybody calls them breasts, so chest feeding. And so for the duration of this, I'm going to be saying breastfeeding, but everything that we're talking about applies to chest feeding as well. So breastfeeding and chest feeding. Just imagine me saying that every time you hear me say breastfeeding. How common is breastfeeding or chest feeding in the United States? According to the CDC's 2020 breastfeeding report card, most infants actually start out breastfeeding. So that's about 84.1%. And this number drops to about 58.3% by six months and 35.3% at 12 months. And so that makes sense that the numbers would kind of steadily decline over time. What happens with breastfeeding? So what's the actual biological process? During pregnancy, the breasts continue to develop physiologically as well as change in size and shape. And the mammary glands, the glands that are in the breast, are sufficiently developed to start making milk by 20 weeks of gestation. So, by the time you're about five months pregnant, these glands in your breast are ready to start making milk, but it doesn't really happen until after delivery. And sometimes, you know, you can experience some leakage of colostrum before that period of time. Other breast changes include an increase in size, darkening of the areola, so that's kind of like the darker circular area around the nipple, and developing more prominent Montgomery glands. So those are the small bumps that you might notice on your areola. When does your milk actually come in? Well, breast milk produced changes quickly after the baby is born. In the first week, the breasts produce colostrum. It's a thick, yellow liquid, high in protein, vitamins, minerals, and antibodies that help build the baby's immune system. And you might've heard the term liquid gold, that's colostrum. Somewhere between days two and five postpartum, you may experience increased breast fullness um, with an increase in milk volume. And that is what we commonly refer to as your milk coming in. And that's often a stressful thing, especially for new parents. They're like, oh, when is my milk coming in? And usually within two to five days. However, if you have um, certain experiences or complications, that can affect when your milk comes in and your milk can come in actually a little later. Around the second week postpartum, the breasts produce what's called traditional milk. So we went from colostrum to traditional milk. It's a combination of colostrum and mature milk. And by the third week postpartum, breasts are producing mature breast milk. And this milk contains fats, proteins, carbohydrates, minerals, and vitamins also, which will help your baby grow. What are the pros or benefits of breastfeeding? Breastfeeding actually has unique benefits for both mothers and birthing parents, and babies. According to the Department of Health and Human Services, breastfeeding babies have increased protection from certain illnesses and infections and are less likely to develop asthma and type 1 diabetes. They're less likely to become obese and they have a reduced uh, reduced incidence of sudden infant death syndrome, SIDS, if you've heard of SIDS. Mothers who have breastfed have a decreased risk of breast and ovarian cancer, type 2 diabetes, and high blood pressure. So there are a lot of benefits with breastfeeding for mom and baby. What are the cons? First and foremost, and if you've breastfed before, you know, it is not easy. Contrary to what people think, oh, you know, your body was made to do this. It's like super simple, just breastfeed. No, it is not that easy. Very few people have the experience of just putting their baby on the breast and the baby latching perfectly. And then they just kind of ride off into the sunset together. (laughs) Okay. Like nobody has that exact experience, but for most of us, there is a period of learning and adjustment, perhaps shorter for those who have done it before. It's always been, for me at least, the first two times, it was a little easier the second time because I had the experience and I knew what to expect. But your baby also has to learn to latch. And if it's your first child, you may have to learn too. There's a period of sore nipples and that can last a few days to a few weeks. Breastfeeding also takes a lot of time, especially in the beginning and you're, as you're learning and trying to kind of get a rhythm to it. Newborns are small and they have tiny little stomachs and that need to be filled often. Waking up every one to three hours to nurse overnight or doing so during the day, it's a huge time commitment for nursing parents. And we're not even going to talk about cluster feeding. Okay. That's a separate thing in itself. Other cons include the inability to know just how much milk your baby is getting. And that can be incredibly stressful for new and old parents. alike. you're really stressing out, wondering, is your baby getting enough? You're counting all the diapers. You're figuring out how often they're pooping and they're peeing. It's a whole thing. Finally, you still have to monitor your alcohol and other intake while while breastfeeding because your breast smoke is going to transfer some of those things that you consume to your baby. And so that's something that you want to be aware of. Can everyone breastfeed? What are the contraindications to breastfeeding? So very few people are unable to breastfeed and that would be due to things like breast hypoplasia or low milk supply. And even in some of those cases, they can still breastfeed, but they need to supplement. But there are actual contraindications to breastfeeding. There are circumstances where we say, no, you'll have to just give formula, do something else, but no breastfeeding. According to the American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists, ACOG, breastfeeding is contraindicated if you have HIV, if you have human T-cell lymphotropic virus type 1 or type 2, or if you're using illicit street drugs like PCP or cocaine, or if you have Ebola virus disease. It is also contraindicated if your baby has galactosemia. With that said, there are still barriers to breastfeeding. Breastfeeding parents need a lot of support. We kind of touched on that before. And that support is not always available. Well-intentioned family members or spouses may encourage you to give the baby formula, not fully understanding how to best support you. And I will tell you, I remember in the beginning, the first time I breastfed, how many times people would be like, just give your baby formula. And And then I would be trying to explain to them, yes, but like I need to give my baby breast milk, I need to put my baby on the breast so my breast know to make more milk, So I have enough milk to feed the baby. And so people don't always understand how to support you. And so that can be a barrier and that can affect your ability to actually breastfeed or continue breastfeeding. With pregnancy and nursing, support networks are key. It is incredibly helpful to just be able to communicate with other nursing parents. And those lines of communication being readily available will make a big deal for you, even if it's just sending a text message to commiserate or to talk about the joys of how much milk you were able to get or how baby's gaining weight. Those things are incredibly helpful. Also, not all healthcare providers are well-versed in breastfeeding, which can be a barrier, and they may not be able to give you the information that you need when you need it. And you don't know what you don't know. So finding someone who you can talk with, a professional that's knowledgeable with breastfeeding, that will help eliminate that barrier. Finding a private sanitary spot to nurse or finding time in your busy schedule is also a barrier to continuing with breastfeeding or pumping. Personally, my milk supply always dropped significantly when I went back to work. I don't know, it's probably the stress of working and trying to do everything or trying to be on on a call in the hospital, meaning cover labor and delivery, and run back to pump when you need to or in between surgeries. Like, everybody's got a busy schedule even if you're not working, like going in somewhere to work, but you have things that you need to get done. So sometimes life just makes it hard to breastfeed. So all of those things can be barriers. When and where, where can you get help with breastfeeding? If you're delivering in a hospital or a birthing center, lactation consultants, nurses, midwives, or physicians, they may all be able to assist you with nursing and take all the help that you can get Once you get home, you may continue to have access to those same resources, which is great. Doulas are also trained to provide nursing assistance in most situations. And if you need more advanced assistance, The International Board Certified Lactation Consultants, so IBCLCs, are a great option because they are certified breastfeeding professionals with the highest level of knowledge and skill in breastfeeding support, and that is what you are going to need till you kind of get your rhythm, and you won't always need that. Eventually, you'll just be able to nurse and breastfeed, you'll have it down, but in the beginning, when you're getting the hang of it, it's just really good to have that support and to know who to go to when you need extra support. When should you stop breastfeeding? Well, the World Health Organization recently recommended that women and birthing parents breastfeed until the infants are two years old and even longer if desired. I know we've seen some reports in the news um, from people who are still breastfeeding their children. I think Coco of Coco and ice Tea said she was still nursing her child at five. And there's somebody else who was still nursing. I just can't remember. Um... Can't remember who did it. But the American Academy of Pediatrics and ACOG also recommend exclusive breastfeeding until at least six months. And the American Academy of Pediatrics supports the World Health Organization's recommendation to continue um, to at least two years if possible. And as we discussed, there are many barriers that can make breastfeeding hard to continue for a long period of time. So really, breastfeed as long as you are willing and able to, period. As long as you're willing and able to. So what's the difference between nursing and pumping or breastfeeding and pumping? What's better? With nursing, the baby removes milk directly from the breast with or without a nipple shield. With pumping, a manual or electric pump is used to move remove milk from the breast. Some people do one or the other, some people do both. I know I've done both, and I always do both. It's just a matter of what works for you. Exclusively, nursing allows you to feed on demand, which will cause your milk supply to adjust to your baby's feeding needs. Pumping requires you to develop your own schedule, which makes sense for you, a schedule that makes sense for you and your baby. And if you pump more often than your baby needs, you might have an oversupply of milk. If you pump less often, than your baby uh, feeds, then you might not pump enough. And so you might not quite have the supply of milk you might have to supplement. In addition, the pump may not be as efficient at removing milk from your breast as your baby, and vice versa. So again, you really just have to figure out what works well for you, and you will figure it out, I promise. Where can you get a breast pump, and what are the different types? Almost all insurance plans provide breastfeeding support, counseling, and equipment for the duration of breastfeeding. This includes provision of a breast pump to rent or own. And there are different types. So there's a manual breast pump. It um, has like a little handle, almost looks like a spray bottle. Instead, you're putting it on, putting it around your, um, putting it on your breast and squeezing and that is extracting the milk through like a vacuum process, whereas the pump, the electric pump, is doing that on its own, and there's so many different types. There are cordless electric pumps. There are pumps that you like put in your bra that you can wear and walk around with, so there are a lot of options, and if you go online and just search for a breast pump, you will see all of them, all of them, and you'll find something that works well for you. Almost, uh, let's see, so, the next question is, how is breastfeeding different for women of color and black women? And if you know, if you listen to this podcast, it's very important to me that we highlight the differences in the experiences for everyone, because everyone is not having the same experience. Despite the US having a high national rate of breastfeeding initiation, among African-American mothers and birthing parents and babies, the rates are significantly lower. Only 58% start out breastfeeding. That's almost 30% less than the national average, and 28% breastfeed at six months, with 8% exclusively breastfeeding at six months. And why is that, right? Those are always the questions that we ask. Why is there a difference? A big part of this is that a large number of Black women and birthing parents face those barriers that we discussed that make continuation of breastfeeding very difficult. According to the American Civil Liberties Union, the ACLU, Black women's labor participation rate of 60.2% is higher than the rate for all other women. So they're working a lot and hard. Additionally, Black women are most likely to be the primary economic support for their families, with 70.7% of Black mothers as the sole breadwinners and 14.7% as co breadwinners. That means They may be going back to the workforce sooner than non black parents, limiting the time to develop an adequate milk supply. The ACLU further states that black people are less likely than their white counterparts to occupy jobs that offer greater flexibility, economic stability, and better benefits, such as paid family leave, which is associated with a longer continuation of breastfeeding. All of this makes or at least can make breastfeeding an insurmountable task furthermore if very few around people around you have breastfed their babies or recommend breastfeeding, you may be less likely to attempt to do it yourself. You might not think that you can, or you might feel like you shouldn't. Fortunately, there are a number of uh, of organizations working hard to bring awareness to this discrepancy. And we actually have Black Breastfeeding Week, which happens at the end of the month. It's August 25th to August 31st this year in 2022. And it promotes the benefits of breastfeeding and highlights the special challenges and triumphs of being Black and breastfeeding. What are the laws around breastfeeding? Yes, there are laws that provide protections for breastfeeding and chestfeeding parents. And I'm sure you've heard stories or seen articles in the news about parents being shamed for nursing in public, which is crazy to me because you're feeding your baby. But in this particular country, breasts have been so hypersexualized that even pulling out a breast to do a breast function gets some people up in arms. However, with that said, all 50 states, including D.C. and the U.S. Virgin Islands, have some type of legal protections for breastfeeding in public. There are also federal labor laws to support you when you return to the workplace. According to the Department of Labor, federal laws require employers to provide reasonable break time for an employee to express breast milk for her nursing child for one year after the child's birth each time such employee has a need to express the milk. What a reasonable time is, doesn't say. Employers are also required to provide a place other than a bathroom, and that's key, other than a bathroom, that is shielded from view and free from intrusion from coworkers and the public, which may be used by an employee to express breast milk. What is required and what is provided may be two different things. So it's important to know your rights. If you're requesting a space and they're like, go to the bathroom, that is not what they're supposed to do. So you have to know your rights. Finally, and a question that I'm just answering for fun because I think that this might be a misconception, but does breast size affect milk supply? I remember a good friend was like, oh, I thought that I wasn't really going to make much milk because I have small breasts. And that's because breast size does not affect milk supply. When your breasts are on the larger, whether they're on the larger side or the smaller side, they will answer the call to feed your baby, adjusting their supply based on baby's demands. And that is our discussion of breastfeeding this week. I hope that you enjoyed it. I hope you got some good information that we reinforced some things for you. Maybe we answered some new questions for you. (laughs) As always, Don't forget to subscribe to the blog. The blog is another version of this podcast for people who need to actually see it. I need to see it and hear it to remember it. Um the podcast, it's on Apple, Stitcher Audible, iHeartRadio, Amazon Tune in. If you're listening through Blueberry, it's here too. And you can also subscribe here. The YouTube channel, Instagram, Twitter, everything. You know, I'm I went from being like not on social media at all to apparently I do all the social media things now. But let me know if you have any questions, stories, or ideas you want to share by emailing me at Dr. Hack, D R H A C K, at ladypartsdoctor.com. Until next time.